Thanks, Alan, and good morning again, everybody. And for those among us who like to use your hands and do something while you listen and think, there are some sheets, as John said, out in the foyer. And Ali has helpfully put out sheets that express different emotions or seasons or feelings that we have. And it helps us to engage, because this is the topic we're talking about today. So that might be something good to do if you want to do that while you're listening. But we're going to think, yes, about the passage that we've just heard and what it has to say to us today as Christians. So... um, As John has introduced today, we're continuing our series on this book of poetry in the Old Testament called The Song of Songs. Are my slides available, uh, Trevor? It's gone. They're gone. Where where have they gone? That's fine. It's probably appropriate for the theme today. So (laughs) that's why I did it. Um, So... We've looked at this uh, for a few weeks now, and as, and as we've seen, Song of Songs... There we go. They're back. Um, Song of Songs is about a romantic relationship, as you've heard, this poem. And one of the obvious things when we think about romance and this kind of love and relationships is that they can get a bit tricky sometimes. So there's a famous line in Shakespeare's A Midsummer's Night's Dream, the course of true love never did run smooth. You know, the course of true love never did run smooth. Um, and if a true love ever did run smooth, there would be no reason to have that play. Um, have you got that slide there just for the, the, the sign? There we go. Just so you've got that in your head. So um, if, the, if the course of true love never did run, uh, you know, did run smooth all the time, there'd be no romance novels, there would be no romantic comedies, there would be no dramas, because there'd be no tension, there'd be no problem to, zo- to solve and to get us interested. It would be boy meets girl, they get married, happy ending. Not a great story. So our section from the Song of Songs today is one of the parts where there is this sense sense of trouble and tension between these two lovers, a bit of a bump in their relationship. And I just want to remind you, the reason we're looking at Song of Songs this term and into next term is because I believe that it gives us a set of pictures and stories that can help us to understand our relationship to God. That's why it's in the Bible. And this kind of passionate relationship, it's such a strong experience of joy and satisfaction. And it's the closest, one of the closest images that we have of what it's like to experience the love of God in our lives. And experiencing God and knowing his love in a personal way, it's the essence of what it means to be a Christian. Unfortunately, though, that's something that we often miss because we haven't learned what it means to understand our feelings and how they relate to God. And so if we understand what it's like to experience God working in our heart, we'll be more likely, I think, to pursue a deeper knowledge of him in our lives and to see him at work. So that's why we're looking at this. Now, the series of Song of Songs is generally quite a positive set of topics because the Song of Songs is a positive and happy book. And experiencing God is generally a wonderful thing to think about. And in two weeks' time, when we come back again, we'll be thinking about how God thinks we're so amazing and wonderful. That's just the whole topic. Um, today, however, we have the one more difficult topic about the relation, our relationship with God in this series. Because while generally we're talking about what it means in Song of Songs to have the presence of God and to experience the presence of God in our hearts, today we need to think about what it's like to experience God's absence when we don't experience God directly. Last time when I talked about this, I thought about this thing, about how it is when we first get a sense of God's presence in our lives, perhaps when we're young. 
It can be like this beautiful call and promise, the sense in our heart of longing to go out, to follow God, and he's promising us wonderful experiences of love and fulfilment. Early on in our faith, it's like the honeymoon time. But what does it mean then when at times it seems that God isn't keeping that promise that he made? What happens when it seems like God is not there? So our reading from chapter 3 describes a little episode in the Song of Songs romance. It's a bit like that. So the young woman is at home at night. We hear she's missing her boyfriend. He's not with her and she doesn't know where he is. Initially, admittedly, she's not trying very hard to find him since she seems to be looking for him in her dreams while she's asleep at night without leaving her bed, which is not the most diligent type of searching that I can imagine. But eventually, she gets up and she goes about the town looking for him. And for a while, she doesn't find him, and we see she goes around asking the night watchman, have you seen this man? And then, of course, she does run into him, and she says, I won't let you go until you come home with me. Now, it's not a very dramatic picture as such, or episode as such. It's just a little picture, I think, though, of an idea that all of us are familiar with, the idea that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. So being away from him, or even even for a little time, it makes her want to be with him even more. And this story is repeated a bit again a bit differently in chapter 5. So I want to read you a little from chapter 5, verse 6, where uh, the boyfriend comes by one night and she gets up to see him. So she says, I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but I didn't find him. I called him, but he didn't answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me, they bruised me, and they took away my cloak, the watchmen of the walls. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. And that time, in that next later chapter, everything's a bit more intense. You know, she's not just thinking about him. He is really outside, uh, calling to her, and then he disappears, though. When she goes out, she can't find him. And instead of being neutral or helpful, the watchman uh, beat her and take her cloak, and she's left devastated, faint with love, because she can't find her man. And so I think that story is a bit more about a serious separation and obstacles in the way of them being reunited. Now, both of those nighttime stories that the Song of Songs tells are a bit dreamlike, and I think they're meant to be. Um, and the point in the poems that we're taking away then is the sense of drama that is involved in the confusing space that we find ourselves in when we are separated and experiencing loss and seeking after someone that we love when we're in that separation experience. Now, that might be for a couple of hours. It might be for a long time without any sense of how it's going to end. When will I see you again? When will we share precious moments? I think the song goes. Um, You know, many of you will know that feeling. You know, when am I going to see you again? So this is the stories that we're looking at today. And what might these little stories have to tell us about our relationship with God? Well, as I said, one of the realities that we have to deal with in our spiritual lives is is what to do in those times when it seems like God is absent from us, when we don't feel his presence, when we feel dry or flat spiritually, or when there's a sense of loneliness or loss in, in faith, or just nothingness spiritually particularly when we might have had really great times in the past when we felt very close to God. And this is something that really troubles a lot of people and often shakes people's faith when they go through it. They think, is God actually real or was I just fooling myself that time? 
So why is it that we might go through a period when it feels like God is absent and we don't feel anything for him? There are probably, I think, at least three reasons, and the first two are not really what we're talking about today, but it's good to acknowledge so we can see what's, what the difference. So firstly, you know, we might lose the sense of God's presence because we've turned away from him in some way. Either there is some sin we're holding on to, or which makes it hard to want to get closer to God, or we get distracted and we lose focus on that relationship. In this case, it's us who's absent from God, not the other way around. And that's why confession and repentance are a big part of the Christian life, because it's the act of realising what's happening. I need to come back, I need to see God again. And that's one reason why God might feel absent to us. The second one is a bit more difficult, because it may be, I think, that we don't feel God as being close to us because of the emotions and feelings that we have when we're going through a difficult time in our lives. So whether we are in pain, whether we're very sick, or in a time of grief, we're anxious or fearful, there can be a sense in which our feelings of God's love might be drowned out by these noisy other feelings that are there too. So it's, in those instances, it's not that God's left us, but sometimes it can be hard to feel he's still around because we have things to deal with. That are, that, were, that are drawing our attention. So um, at another time, it is worth you know, reflecting on how we experience God in those kind of times, but, but it's a whole other issue together, and it's really worth spending some time on a um, focused way. But the real issue from our passage today, from Song of Songs, comes when life is actually pretty normal, and we're not stuck in any crisis, when we really do want to feel close to God, and yet it feels that God isn't there. Like the woman in the Song of Songs, we're keen to be spiritually awake, our heart is open, but the one we're looking for doesn't seem to be around wherever we look. When we read the Bible, it just seems like it's just another book. When we pray, it feels like we're talking to the air. When we come to church, it's boring. We sense no connection to God through worship. Um, and this is a very important thing for us to understand because this experience is very common and it's a very well-known phase in the Christian life. It even has a classic name and a very cool one at that, the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. So the dark night of the soul is the name of a book uh, by a medieval Spanish writer, a man named John of the Cross. And partly it is his reflection on this passage and these passages in the Song of Songs. And he describes this experience, what he calls the dark night, to those who are very new to living the spiritual life, to help them understand the stages that they might go through in their quest to know God better and to experience his love. And he says, the dark night of the soul is a natural stage in the spiritual life. It's something that almost everyone who gets beyond the very first stage of knowing God and seeking him comes up against at some point. It is part of the course of our relationship with God and it's something that God wants and allows to happen. According to John, the dark night of the soul is a description of what happens when God intentionally withdraws from us the feeling of his presence, the feeling of grace, the feeling of joy or peace and satisfaction in being close to him. He intentionally withdraws it from us. Now, why would he do that? Well, John says he does it so that we will be drawn to move past spiritual immaturity into a deeper and more mature, stable and pure kind of love for God. 
Again, the relationship in the Song of Songs is a great analogy for this. We may know, we might experience in the first stages of a, of a relationship like this, when love is intoxicating, when we're always together, we are, while we're infatuated with the person, it is actually hard to know them and love them for themselves. We often, what we often end up loving is the great feelings that we get from being in love in that first time. The brain, our brain sends nice chemicals running around us to make us feel great. And it's that feeling, perhaps, that we're after, not necessarily the person whom we don't even usually know very well or even see with a clear perspective at the time. And it's only when that initial enthusiasm wanes or perhaps we get some distance or things cool off a bit that we can move on to genuine love and intimacy together. Because it's the person themselves that we have grown to love. That's why it can be unwise, by the way, to get married very quickly um, because the relationship hasn't had time to mature and go through these phases. So the point is, if the feeling of God's presence and love was always directly and immediately available to us at all times, then I think Song of Songs would say Christians would be like drug addicts who are always high, you know, or people who are infatuated with someone and haven't moved on to a real relationship. There would be no space to question whether we really desire to know God himself or if we just enjoy the gifts and the feelings that he gives us. So often the time comes when I think when we need this time of testing or distance to spur us to really seek after God, to stop searching for him in our dreams, on our bed, you know, instead to get up and walk around in the nighttime searching for him to see whether we're serious about this relationship. There are also other benefits uh, of this stage of our relationship with God, and John talks about these. The, this experience can remind us also of our dependence on God and that we can't earn his love. You know, it's, it reminds us that everything is through grace. We're not, we're not given this love because we deserve it, but because God loves us. And it can make people then more humble and more gentle with others because we realize this huge gap between us and God, and only God can bridge that. We all come to him in the same way. You know, if we have great spiritual experiences, it can become really easy to be proud of ourselves and look down on other people who haven't had them. Um, so, so the dark night of the soul is an invitation from God to consider whether we really want to go on with this relationship to deeper and more really real connection to him. And of course, fortunately, over time, the dark night ends and the experience of God returns. We're reunited. And like the young woman, then hopefully we hold on to him more tightly than we did before. I've had this experience a couple of times, I think, in my life as a Christian, once when I was at university, um, and in that time when I was thinking about what I needed to do with my life. And I actually had it once just after I was ordained and started working in ministry as well, and I think that was intentional. I think they were both designed for my maturity and stability and to have an opportunity to grow. So you may also think of times in your life when you've had this experience. So one of the most helpful things about this, I think, is just to be able to give a name to it um, and to understand when it might be happening to us, rather than getting discouraged or giving up. If this is you at the moment, maybe you have a new perspective of this as you hear about it, and an encouragement to take hold of this time, to persevere, to keep seeking God and accept the lessons that come in his absence. They are many. So... When we talk about the dark night of the soul, that's the usual experience, and I think that Song of Songs is pushing us towards that. 
There is a deeper experience of this kind of thing, though, which most of us don't go through. And I think it's symbolised in the reading from chapter 5 um, of a more rough and harrowing separation from this one the woman loves. It involves pain and it's not resolved and involves you know, a, a deeper suffering, a further test in this stage of love. And I think this comes generally, people have noticed, to those who have a very deep calling to seek God and to show his love in the world. Um, and these people often experience not just a dry and numb time um, spiritually, but actually experiences a very tormenting and painful separation from God, after, particularly after being on very high spiritual heights. Sometimes People go through many years of spiritual darkness and struggle, a really excruciating testing of their love. And I think in biblical terms, this is the experience we might see in the story, perhaps, of Job. You know, Job didn't just have a slow time in his spiritual life. He had a complete stripping away of everything in his life and the appearance that God had completely abandoned him, the intense suffering it tested his faith to the limit. Um, a modern example of someone who had this kind of experience, we believe, is a surprising one maybe to you because it apparently happened to Mother Teresa. So um, you probably all know who she is. After she died, um, this great woman, and her journals were found, it was discovered that this lady, a great saint of the church, who's a beacon of godly love and care for the service of the poor, that she had actually experienced intense feelings of God's absence and separation for most of the last 50 years of her life. Um, when she was young, though, she was completely filled with God's love and presence in her heart. But over time, it gradually dried up, and she was left empty and without that comfort. And she wrote in her diary at one point, Where is my faith? Even deep down, there is nothing but um, emptiness and darkness. If there be God, please forgive me. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. So this is a lot like the calling out, I think, that the young woman does in the Song of Songs. You know, if you find my beloved, tell him I am faint with love. Calling out, looking for him. And it may be that for Mother Teresa, those feelings of emptiness were an extreme test of her love and her calling, which she showed faithfully throughout her life. So experiencing God's absence is part of the Christian journey, even for very committed and passionate Christian people. The deepest experience, though, of this, of course, was that of Jesus himself. Of course, as we know, Jesus was intimately connected with the, his father and was deeply filled with his love. But you might remember also on the cross, in that experience, he called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus had this test, a final test, and obviously much more devastating for him than for anyone else to feel separation and absence from, his, from God, his Father. And of course, we know he didn't give up within that. He persevered and came through to his resurrection. So Jesus, too, knows what it is like to experience the absence of God's presence more deeply than any of us could ever do. So the dark night of the soul. And so I think this is a hard word today, isn't it, in this book about love? It's a beautiful book, but, you know, love isn't always about good feelings, is it? Love, in the end, is about being drawn out of ourselves into a passionate commitment to someone else, seeking to know them and to love them as they are and for themselves. Our difficulty is that we need to learn how to love. And that's true in our Christian life as well as in our other relationships. 
So we, we learn that God teaches us to do so by giving us these times when it feels like he has gone away. And it can seem cruel at the time. But the fact is, let's be honest, that when you are immature, it always seems cruel when someone forces to face you, face you with the need that you have to grow, doesn't it? When your child is learning to walk, you step away from them so they need to walk to you on their own feet. And maybe they fall over on the way. Is that cruel? Maybe it feels like a little bit, but we can see the necessity of that. Otherwise, they would never learn to walk if they were always carried. It feels cruel, doesn't it, to be made to eat our vegetables rather than to have ice cream right away. It is cruel. I have a word for you, brother. <laughs> but if we don't eat our vegetables, we never grow healthy. And we learn to like them after a while. If we're completely dependent on pleasant feelings to keep us moving towards God, to keep following Jesus, we will never grow. And he loves us too much to let that happen. So if you're in a dry time spiritually, it's worth reflecting on why that might be. It might be that you've reached a point where it's possible for you to grow a bit, and God is recognising that. Of course, of course, Jesus shows us, though, that we cannot finally be separated from God's love. This doesn't last forever. Even if that path leads us through death, or what feels like death, the resurrection is on the other side. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. No. In all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So hold on. The dark night does not last forever. The morning will come. Like the young couple in the Song of Songs, God holds out to us, therefore, a deeper and richer experience of his love on the other side of our separation, and it is waiting for us if we search for it. So let's do so. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing a few songs to help us reflect on this experience together. We thank you, Lord, for this word today of the mystery of love that calls us out of ourselves to seek the one that we love. We thank you for your wisdom and kindness in drawing us along to grow and become real people, full of real love, people who are like you. We thank you that through Jesus we're sure that on the other side of all our experiences of grief, separation, loss and absence, you are waiting. And we pray that all of us would experience your comfort in the midst of these, in the midst of these times. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.